This week, on a very special mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer, we're discussing Ready Player One IMDb. Hello and welcome to another exciting mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosendahl. I'm Patrick Bromley. No quip from me today, because we're in a real good episode. Jonathan Rooney Taylor here. Now set us up, Mark. Don't let this energy die. What are we doing on this amazing mini-sode? So this week on this amazing, extraordinary, extracurriculum... Anyways, uh, last week we watched Ready Player One. Boo. This week... Yeah, fair. Uh, this week, we didn't know what to do for a mini-sode, so we're going back to the well, and we're doing Ready Player One IMDb Trivia, <laughs> where I'm going to read I'm going to read IMDb Trivia, and then we'll talk about it. So let's <laughs> oh, get whoa, going. Whoa, slow down. I need My heart is racing so fast in anticipation for this amazing content. I need a minute here, buddy. Well, get ready, man, because here we go right off the bat. This is a big oh, boy. Besides, besides the obvious Bigfoot, DeLorean, and Akira vehicles, other notables in the race were the Mach 5 from Speed Racer, the Batmobile from Batman, the A-Team van from the A-Team, the VA Interceptor from Mad Max, Christine from Christine, the Pork Chop Express Wait, from just, Big Trouble say, in Little so China. So far, each and every one of those vehicles that you're naming, my first thought to a vehicle is original or remake. The fair, because fair. Oh, I'm assuming original is the old one from the '60s show because I remember seeing that. Yes, yeah. um, and then it has also the Pork Chop Express from Big Trouble in Little China, and the Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, I missed that. That's a shame. I also did, too. Apparently, also, the uh, fucking RV, the flying RV from Spaceballs is in there, too. Oh, class. The Winnebago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so many of these action sequences have the problem that's like at the uh, at the end of Rise of Skywalker when all of the ships arrive to help the Resistance, and you're supposed to be like, all of my favorite ships, hell yeah, but it, there's so many that it just becomes like, all right, cool. I guess when I get home, I'll Google what ships are in that big block of ships and be like, huh, cool. Right. You have a big, a bunch of really, really specifically identifiable uh, uh, objects, but there's so fucking many of them, they've become generic. Yeah. You can't actually identify well, them. And none of them get more than half a second of screen time. At yeah. best, yeah. Right. Uh, so that's going to take us to our next uh, bit anyway, of IMDb Entertainment. trivia. I hope all of those licensing fees were worth it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. The budget for this movie was like $400 million <laughs> all in licensing fees. Uh, here we go. Uh, during the race sequence when King Kong appears, the theme from the original 1933 film composed by Max Steiner is played. I didn't get it. I've, <laughs> I couldn't have told you that. Which? <laughs> is that the song that goes... Yeah, that's right. what I uh, heard it's the so during that sequence. Uh, it's the song that goes, Roar, I'm a gorilla. Oh, cool. You yeah. know what? Uh, fun trivia about that song. That song, the way they got it in the original one, was uh, taking a textured glove on the strings of a cello and playing it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so here's Hold on, the I next, don't think Patrick uh, really of... got to sink into that solid joke. 
Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> All right, there we yeah, go. It was good. All right. It was good. <laughs> okay. <I say. laughs> so uh, here's the next one, and this one really makes me mad just reading it. Uh, Parzival's belt in the Oasis has the Thundercats 1985 logo on it. The belt itself it's is in the belt. same style as Han Solo. So it's a Han Solo belt with a Thundercat Jesus, logo on it. God damn you, movie. I did. I did. When they were in the archives, I was like, oh, fuck you. He's wearing the Han Solo belt, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I didn't even re- I was so mad at that that I missed the Thundercats logo. So good job, Thundercats, I guess. Logos on yeah. logos on logos, though. Yeah. Logos all the way down, um, buddy. So, um, uh, around the 35-minute mark, Halliday is shown on the cover of Wired Magazine with a QR code. The there was code a part is of me that was like, I should and fucking scan to an, that code. Uh, and it link- what there was, was that? a part of me when that popped up that was like, fuck, I should scan that code, shouldn't I? <laughs> the code is readable, and it links to an accompanying article on Halliday. So, if you actually are watching the movie and that QR code shows up, you can scan the QR code, and it gives you a fake Wired article about James Halliday. Yeah. Presumably about how he's a fucking creep. You know what? Weird. I miss the communal experience of going into a movie theater and experiencing something as a collective. But the thing I miss most about it is when everyone gets their phone out to take a picture of the QR code. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing makes a movie better than a whole bunch of ambient light from different sources. Right, and then everybody in the audience looking down and reading for the next five minutes. Well, I guess, you know, you hear about those uh, directors like Scorsese who shoots for the edit. Uh, Spielberg really shoots for the eventual Blu-ray iTunes release. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Here's the next one. Halliday's Oasis Avatar is named Anorak. In UK English, as opposed to, I don't know, any... Other kind of English. Well, and also UK English, that encompasses Welsh, Scottish, Irish. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. And 900 dialects of UK English. <laughs> right. Uh, it is Anorak is a slightly derogatory slang term for someone with an obsessive, comprehensive interest in a particular aspect of pop culture. Oof. So so he named himself after a fucking chav. <laughs> <laughs> no, a chav will steal your wallet, but it sounds like this irritating person will tell you about... We'll have a chain on his he'll wallet? He'll have a chain on his wallet, and it'll be embroidered with bad motherfucker on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad to know that he named his character after something presumably he heard in a Guy Ritchie film. <laughs> Yeah. But like revolver, not not like one of the not lockstock or snatch, one yeah, of the right, like later right. ones. <laughs> All right, so get this: Steven Spielberg made 2017's The Post while he was waiting for ILM to create close to 1,500 digital effect shots for Ready Player One. Is The Post the one with Bob Odenkirk in it? I think so. Yeah, that's the one about the newspaper. Yeah, that seems like a real good trailer. Yeah, but I just think that's hilarious. He's like, all right, I shot all this stuff for Ready Player One, but they've got to do all the computer stuff for it. What should I do while I'm waiting? I know, I'll make a whole ass other movie. (laughs) Well, I bet it was, uh, hey, George, it's me, your best friend, Steven Spielberg. Oh, hi, Steven. How you doing? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty lonely up here if you want to ever, like, have lunch or something. I I sold Star Wars, so I don't really have a lot going on. 
maintain the rights to THX 1138, though, if you ever want to get together and, you know, do something with that. That'd be... That's due for a refresh, right? Yeah, anyway, I didn't want to take up too much of your time, George. You still got all those models and assets <laughs> from all of the movies that we made together in the 80s and 90s? No, those don't those don't exist anymore. Uh, the magenta was out of sync, so I had to burn them all to make the special editions. <laughs> all right. Thanks, George. Hey, before you go, uh, <sighs> just, you know, real quick, just kind of tossing this out there. But, uh, you know, we could grab dinner sometime if you if you want. I don't. I don't know if you know, I, I sold Star Wars, so I don't, I don't really have a lot going on here. I, oh, I should mention I still have the rights to THX 38 if you ever want to do something with that. We, we can make a sequel to American Graffiti. Oh, you mean like more American Graffiti, that sequel that they actually did? Well, yeah, but, you know, that doesn't have to be canonical. You know, we could do like a spinoff with Wolfman Jack. <laughs> All right, George, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, buddy. I, I, I got to go. All right, I just, um, I'll leave a key for you just under the mat if you ever want to just drop by. <laughs> just, you know, don't tell anyone about it. Um, I could show you I'm working on a uh, new treatment for uh, THX 1138, my, my movie. I still own the rights to it here. I feel like you ever want to do something with it. All right, George, bye. <laughs> dynamite, dynamite. Good stuff. Uh, during the club scene when Parzival and Artemis meet, you can briefly see Commander Shepard from the popular video game <gasps> Mass Effect awkwardly dancing, which is ironic. Because he awkwardly dances in the, the game, video game. It's a running joke that Shepard can't dance. I am so I'm mad never, at this movie right now. You made me re I've never played. I've never played <laughs> Mass Effect, so is that a true thing? Yes. Like, Mass Effect takes that amount of time to, like, stress that this guy can't dance or won't dance? Correct. <laughs> what kind of? I thought Mass Effect was a game where you shoot aliens and yes, stuff. Also, it why does it give a shit if the guy can't dance? Yes, it's, uh, it's yes. shooting aliens with quirks. Yeah, see, uh, it's uh, it's back. It's a fucking Bioware game from the like mid two thousands. So it's one of those games where it's just like you can go anywhere and do anything, but do you want to? Nah. Well, it was early <sighs> in that process. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, here we go. Warner Brothers and D-Line Pictures won an auction for the rights to Ernest Cline's novel in 2010 before it had been published. Oof. God. G- Jesus Christ. They had an auction for a movie based off the logline. Hey, you, you, you remember this? <laughs> but it's a book. Well, because this is unlocking a memory of like... Yes, I did have Ain't It Cool News bookmarked in this time. Oh, yeah. And, like, it oh, was always, like, front page. Like, we got the first chapter that you can read for free. And we got an interview with Ernst Klein, And we got another interview. And Ernst Klein writes a review for this new movie. Like, and this was all, yeah, like, in the lead up to it coming out. It was so, like, manufactured to the purpose of being on these websites. You know what I mean? Sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, when... Uh, oh, man, these are so stupid. Uh, here we go. I'll go back to the one I was going to save for last. In an interview, Steven Spielberg said this was the third most difficult movie he'd made in his career behind Jaws, 
a movie where the robot shark almost actually ate him and saving Private Ryan, a movie where he logistically had to recreate a D-Day invasion. <laughs> this was the third most difficult movie he'd made in his career. Not Hook, where he had to build a fucking giant pirate ship and deal with Julia Roberts being an asshole on set the entire time. Uh, not Schindler's uh, List not, that like ripped open the still fresh wound of the Holocaust. Right. Uh, yeah, not The Color Purple, a movie about slavery and 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 uh, a, a, a number gay of other story. terrible things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nope. I would imagine Ready Player One. I saw that quote too, and I have to imagine that's because of the technical difficulty. Because, like, I mean, I guess he did AI, but well, no, because that's, that's the thing. This is almost entirely CG. Almost entirely, yes. But that's I. What he's talking about that you have to understand is that any reference, he would actually be so affected he would cry on set. So this took like. <laughs> Yeah. Boy, howdy. This took years to put together because you just have to you have to keep stopping, letting everyone kind of collect themselves and get back into the headspace that they need to be in. You know, it's when that DeLorean flipped over and caught fire. (laughs) That was a real hard day. But you know what? They're professionals and they got through it. Yeah, no. That's fair. What? Uh, So. So now I've moved on to the IMDb goofs page. Uh, Here's a good one. I I always assume that all of these goofs actually start with, uh, actually. (laughs) I like to think that the goofs all start with, here's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a good one. Uh, Actually, people would not be oriented the same inside the Oasis as they are in the real world. This problem was evident throughout the movie and at its worst was during the final battle of Planet Doom. Even if you could argue that the Sixers were to start out in some sort of strict formation in the war room as well as in the Oasis, parentheses, unlikely, end parentheses. What do you mean unlikely? The The movie showed you that they were in perfect formation in that room. Uh... Uh, John, apparently, the further the battle rages, the more shuffled they would be with Sixer avatars zeroing out others, filling any available spot in the war room, and making the Mecha Godzilla shaped red mark in the war room impossible, and the Claticus, the Catalyst, zeroing out the whole war room in a wave pattern, the grand finality of this specific blow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. Good work, Gumshoe. I thought for sure the worst kind of nerd would be one that like loved this book and movie. But no, it turns out the worst <laughs> kind of nerd is the one who hated it so much they had to write a goof. Oh man, can I tell you when he shoots the railgun and they show like all the people die and then all the people die in the war room at the same time in the same line, I was like, wait a minute, they were all in the same line in real life? Yeah, sometimes well, that's that just guy. sometimes that's just how it worked out. They actually <laughs> planned on having showing them in different spots of the war room. It just like on the day when he shot that mm-hmm. real gun, that's just what happened. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, here we go. Uh, factual errors. Uh, <laughs> here we go. In 2045, Columbus, Ohioans will live underground, not overground. <laughs> 
Patrick, they have to move down there because the river keeps catching on fire. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a good one. Uh, actually, when Parzival is playing adventure, he obtains the invisible dot without using the magic bridge. Yeah, that's I, uh, I caught that, and I what a jerk. Yeah, well, I had to pause the movie and play through the entirety of Adventure, not on an emulator because you can see errors pop up in an emulator, but like on original hardware. That I let me tell you how I hooked up my Atari Twenty Six Hundred to my no! modern design. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It all Better starts question. with opening it up and modding the video out in order to. Okay. Oh God damn it! Scart, scart, scart. <laughs> whatever. Uh, when here's a. Here's a good one. Uh, actually, when Halliday shows his younger self playing video games on ColecoVision, there are only t- Atari 2600 cartridges spread out on the floor. However, there are no ColecoVision cartridges lying around, nor does young Halliday have the ColecoVision expansion module number one necessary to play the prior generation Ooh, Atari okay, games so, uh, on the newer generation Coleco console. I was actually going to um actually him by saying you can play Atari carts on a ColecoVision, but you know what? He scooped me. He God, got you, he man. Got me. No expansion module. <laughs> oh, expansion module. Darn. Uh, here we go. Uh, the Sixers. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Here's a good one. Uh, actually, the Sixers are likened to drones. No names, no identity. To the point that when they zero out, they can jump to another rig and carry on as if nothing happened. However, when Samantha slash Art Threemus uses the rigs and the loyalty pod... Her usual avatar appears in the Oasis, although no obvious facial scanning takes place. Furthermore, (laughs) she's also able to access her personal inventory and change her appearance, even though she's on the IOI Sixer account. Hmm. Gosh, it sounds like someone should have been fired for that one. Yeah, 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 right? Absolutely. In fact, if we can... issues abound. If we can revoke any money that person had ever made who made that mistake... I think that would be a good recompense for allowing that to slip through the cracks. Right? Yeah. Take that, Spielberg. Um, what I love is that so far, none of the goofs are, holy shit, this is a dystopian nightmare that is not resolved by the end of its runtime. <laughs> uh, well, John, the next goof uh, definitely speaks to that. <clears throat> Here's a good one. Well, actually... Besides being an overwhelming large chunk of the real economy, the Oasis has players running nightclubs, repair shops slash manufacturing, and mercenary services. It also sells, from an in-game store, very dangerous grieving weapons that someone could use to kill all the players in a large area, and combat is enabled in places including a very high-end nightclub, yet... There's no sign of anyone offering banking or insurance, both of which are more central to any economy than service businesses. Yeah, but they don't say they don't. (laughs) There's a deleted scene where Wade Watts walks into a fucking insurance adjuster and is just like, (laughs) yeah, right. Yo, dog, I just got this new rig. I guess help me insure it. Also, how would that work? When you die, all of your your entire estate just explodes onto the battlefield. <laughs> you can't insure that. Uh, here, here's we'll, we'll say this is uh, this is the last one here. 
Um, we don't need to keep doing this. <laughs> this last one is listed under character error. And this one's particularly egregious. Uh, it says Wade this- is a shithead. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's a big, that's not an that's error. A big character that's not- error. No, that's not an error, John. That's a feature. <laughs> uh, here it is. <clears throat> Here's a good one. Actually, Parzival doesn't count to three before throwing the holy hand grenade. Oh, that's a good point. I don't <laughs> so, recall her doing that. I remember she threw the like little like fucking squishy face thing. No, so Parsifal. so oh yeah. Parsifal. I also don't so, remember yeah. this. Although there was so a time he... that I took the headphones out of my iPad, let the movie <laughs> run, and complains to my wife about how awful a time I was having. So it could <laughs> have happened fair. during that. So after Artemis throws the oddball into the Mecha Godzilla that kills uh, Nolan, they break in. They climb over the Iron Giant, who turns himself into a bridge to get them in. There's like a bunch of IOI guys and they throw the whole, he pulls out the holy hand grenade and throws it at them because he bought it earlier and just throws it and it just explodes everybody and like an effect that is not the holy hand grenade of Antioch from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Let me explain to you how the holy handioch of Antioch. The holy handioch. I will will only accept this, Uh, uh, this in the form of nauseatingly quoting every single word for word (laughs) of the very famous bit. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Holy Hand Yikes. Grenade. Yikes. The number of the counting shall be three. Oh, God. Oh, no, and no, three. no. Yeah, oh. yep, you're right. No. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, the movie had an opportunity to actually do, like, a fun yeah, joke. Yeah, one, two, and instead, four. I mean, three. Yeah, it's exactly. right there. And instead, he just goes, I have the Holy Hand Grenade. Throw, wipes out 80 dudes. Yeah, also, uh, it would have been much more fun if he had that weird killer rabbit instead. Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. This whole movie is a bunch of first drafts. Fuck this but movie. The problem with that, though, is they already blew their load on what the killer rabbit would do with the Chucky doll. That's true. That's true. And that's where the movie, we didn't even talk about this in the main episode, but that's where the movie uses its one PG-13 F word. Because he throws the Chucky out, and there's a guy who goes, it's a fucking Chucky. Yeah. And then Chucky like yeah. slices him up. Although I do recall... That's where they use their cool F word. During the Shining sequence where they were so perfectly replicating shots and the woman comes out of the bathtub, there was definitely a part of me that's just like, oh shit, is this... Is Ready Player One R-rated? <laughs> yeah, right. I was... I was When I was re Because I had already seen it and I was, when I was re-watching it yesterday, I was like, does this movie got titties in <laughs> Like it? it can't, right? There's no way a studio would allow an R-rated... But we live in an era yeah, of right? a... Th- Four-hour R-rated Justice League. So, <laughs> who fucking uh, knows? That's gonna be that's gonna be released as a mini series. <laughs> God. Also, and and on top of that, we live in a world where finally, for the first time, uh, for good or worse, who knows? Uh, Deadpool three will be joining the MCU, and it will be R-rated. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, obviously that's just going to be fucking, because Deadpool is already so disconnected, he's just going to say, like, what continuity are we in now? Goop, goop, goop. What studio exactly, is exactly. I don't much care that, for I the think, Deadpool movies, if I'm being real honest. You know what? I'll tell you this. I think the first Deadpool movie has some, like, really interesting ideas, and it and it works around having a very low budget for that kind of movie very well. I think it works the really well Deadpool- until after the, like, highway bridge sequence, and then it just, like, loses me because they don't know what else to do. 
the problem with the Deadpool movies is they want to give Deadpool a heart and they want to give him like real human emotions. And that's not how Deadpool works for the most <laughs> part. Um, and that's the problem. Like Deadpool two was a really fun action movie that for the most part, like kind of nails it. Uh, except when it's like, uh, Deadpool's sad about his ex-girlfriend or his, his dead girlfriend. It's like, I don't know. Deadpool doesn't care. He'll just go have sex with somebody else yeah. regardless of gender identity or if they, you know, anything. Deadpool will do what Deadpool wants. Now, the thing that I found very grating about the Deadpool movies were every joke is, hey, isn't it funny that we exist in a movie? And or I have a dick. Look at it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all I right, mean, to be fair, cool. that's that's pretty much every Deadpool comic book too. Uh, I like the Brian Posehn run. The Brian Posehn run is so good. Yeah, where he fights all the ghost presidents. That's very it's good. pretty great. Uh, Paul Shear, I guess, did a pretty good run on Deadpool as well, and his cosmic ghost rider is supposed to be pretty great as well. Hey, you know who, who uh, fucking sucks at uh, Deadpool? Rob Liefeld, creator of the character. What? creator of deadpool <laughs> he fucking sucks at deadpool because he's like no no guys deadpool's the fucking coolest <laughs> he's like real hardcore no stop it no he's not go back into i just comic watched this book documentary <laughs> i just watched this documentary on amazon the other day uh about the uh creation of image Ooh, yeah comics. i watched that too it's real good it was really it was really good except it's very clearly like Super pro Todd McFarlane. Because I think Todd McFarlane is like a producer credit on it. So oh, like, for sure. yeah, anytime it feels like, like Will Splatatio is going to like say something shitty about any of the other image guys, yeah. it very quickly cuts to like someone else. That whole documentary should just been called Fuck Rob Liefeld, am I right? They also like didn't really touch whole- on uh, like Todd McFarlane's crippling addiction to signed baseballs. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which like bankrupted his whole company. Yeah, or the fact that like his giant lawsuit with Neil Gaiman, where like the whole point of Image was like if you create a character, you own the character, and then Neil Gaiman created characters in Spawn, and then Tom McFarlane was like, "Fuck you, I own your characters that you created, thereby violating the tenets of this entire company yep. that we built." They just cut all that shit out. And I can't nice. remember. Did they talk about the fucking actual lawsuit that? Todd McFarlane had with that hockey player that also bankrupted his whole company. <laughs> they did not know. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the movie, when it gets to like the bad times, all the bad times are, yeah, Rob Liefeld just started stealing artists from other people and he was a real dickhole. <laughs> and then we cut to Rob Liefeld and he'd be like, yeah, I was a total dickhole. So what? Who gives a shit? I'm Rob Liefeld. I ain't got to draw feet. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, I think it also like, uh, that section is also very, um, Eric Larson heavy because it's just him saying like I just wanted to make comic books yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be like in all the office love- politics or like I just wanted to make Savage Dragon <laughs> That whole documentary, like, they're just like, it got crazy. Like, everyone started writing three or four books, and they made their own studios. And then it would just cut to Eric Larson and be like, I'm just over here making Savage Dragon. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I worked, with, I worked with Steve Gerber to steal back his stuff from Marvel. That was fun. Yeah. 
And then the whole thing ends with like yeah. Robert Kirkman Weird being like, nobody would hire me because I sucked until Image let me do Walking Dead. Now I'm fucking rich and I'm a fucking partner in Image now. Get ready for 800 Walking Dead spinoffs. Yeah. I really hate uh, Kirkman a lot. I, I don't have any like feelings on him besides the fact that Walking Dead like was only good for like a season and a half. Um, yeah, well, he, specifically, he like really screws over the artists that he works with and like steals mm. a lot of credit. See that I did not know. I don't know too much about his comics output. Uh, they're also real boring. I mean, they're black and white. How can they be good? Oh, oh. zing. Boom. Uh, so that's going to do it for this <laughs> Minnesota Body Counts of Beer. Excellent Minnesota I'm Mark. people. Top oh, quality. the best. Um, by the way, uh, it, just to, to tell us uh, where we are in the uh, uh, time when we recorded this, even though it'll be two weeks when, before this even comes out, breaking news, this just came out. Uh, <laughs> the New Jersey Nets are trading for all-star uh, James Harden and sending four first-round picks and four draft swaps to the Rockets. For Karis LeVert and Jared Allen are also being moved. Huge day in the NBA. Four-team trade in the works. Uh, the Rockets are getting Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, a guy named Rodion's Kuroks. <laughs> uh, uh, f- four first-round picks and four pick swaps. The Nets are getting James Carden, James Harden, who has put on about 50 pounds since the bubble and uh, looks like he ate all of Houston. Uh uh, the Pacers are getting Karis LeVert in a second rounder, and the Cavs are getting Jared Allen and Torian Prince. This is a huge day for the NBA, a league that should not be operating because people get, keep getting sick with COVID. <laughs> that, uh, is, that is definitely a huge, uh, like, titanic news. Uh, real quick, do we currently have a president? Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, have a president until day. Mitch McConnell says you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. What a crazy day this is. The president gets impeached for a second time and James Harden got traded. <laughs> Both <laughs> equally important in the news. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. What else is going on in I the didn't world? See oh, my gosh. Like there's, a, there's a short circuit reboot. <laughs> it's like that joke at the beginning of Dogma where uh, Ben Affleck and, um, oh, God, what's his name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Thank you. Uh, are having that argument of just like, oh, this coming from the guy who said that, like, what's going to be the bigger movie, E.T. or Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo? And he's like, fuck you, history will prove me right on that. Yeah, literally the title of that movie is being used as a hate group to incite a second civil war. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it's got a bigger place in the history books than E.T., that's true, but let's be fair. That's not Breaking Two's fault. No, it's just a movie that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, it just had a really cool title, and a bunch of white supremacists were like, "What should we call ourselves? How about Breaking Boys? Too obvious. How about Boogaloo Boys? Nailed it. <laughs> You're good at white supremacy. We're very good at this." Oh, geez. Anyways, that's the end of this mini-sode. <laughs> I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. I am Jonathan Rooney-Taylor. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Good day. Body Counts and Beer is Patrick Bromley, John Rooney-Taylor, and Mark Rosenthal. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, I don't know, Spotify. We're on Spotify now. You should definitely listen to us on Spotify. You can email us at bodycountsandbeer at gmail.com or check us out on Twitter 
at Body Count Cast. Again, we are now on Spotify. So listen there. <laughs>